so welcome back to Over the Horizon. And for this episode, we are going to be talking about the Alcatraz prison break. I'm Nicholas, and this is... Hi, I'm Devin. I am the host of uh, Hawkbolt. So uh, if you haven't already, you should definitely go give that one a listen. But yeah, as Nick said, we are doing the Alcatraz prison break. It's a unsolved true crime. So it's it's very interesting. I I have pretty much everything that I we could possibly need to know about it written down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like she's going to be more of like the actual narrator because I don't know much about this. I've never even heard of it. So. It's really interesting. Yeah. So, okay, we'll start off with kind of like setting the scene. Just so everyone's aware, Alcatraz was a maximum security prison located in San Francisco Bay. Uh, it was actually called the rock because it was just literally in the middle of that bay uh, it held captives since the Civil War, so for quite a while, and it eventually even held uh, inmates such as Al Capone, which is very interesting, you know, who, who would have thought? <laughs> um, it is surrounded by cold, rough waters, and the prison was pretty much deemed inescapable, so like no one was ever going to be able to escape from such a prison. But despite all odds, in 1934, uh, I think it was by 1934, 36 men tried to escape uh, 14 different times, but they either got caught or they were killed. So this is actually the story of the one escape that was actually successful, or I guess we'll get into that later. We don't know if it was successful. That's why it's unsolved. <laughs> That's just like interesting about it because it was like treated as like this um, island that was like inescapable. Mm -hmm. And I already have something in history that's like, inescapable or like unsinkable like you, that mm -hmm. never happens usually it's there's some something <laughs> that happens that goes off yeah and from what i heard what was starting to happen was the prison was starting to just kind of fall into disre disrepair so it was like yeah it was once like this really really good prison but by the time that our escapees came to it it was mm -hmm. a little bit easier to escape if that makes any sense but yeah, I guess we should we meet the the escapees, the men themselves. I'm curious about these people. Okay, it's like inescapable. I've actually known of this island interestingly because I've yeah, it was like there's a lot of parodies on it too because mm -hmm. there's like, um, I think when I was younger I played like this Lego game which maybe I should just do a Hawkfold segment. But there was like <laughs> this island that was in the middle that was based on Alcatraz Island, mm -hmm. so I like knew that. This was like an isolated island that like I researched a little bit more about it. That was like inescapable. So that's like, mm -hmm. interesting. no, it's super interesting. So yeah, no. And I know that my boyfriend actually went and visited the island. It's mm -hmm. the prison has since closed down, but you can go and visit it, which is super interesting. Um, but anyways, we got to we got to meet our escapees. So our first uh, man is Alan West. He was inmate AZ1335. He had been arrested over 20 times in his lifetime. And after an, uh, an escape attempt at Florida State Prison, he was then transferred to Alcatraz in 1957. So one thing that you'll see is all of these men have a habit of escaping prisons that they were put into. <laughs> so they were sent to Alcatraz because so, it was this unescapable prison. Anyways, I couldn't find a lot about Alan West. That was pretty much all I could find about him. Uh, next, we meet uh, John Anglin, which was inmate AZ1476, and Clarence Anglin, which was inmate AZ1485. They were inseparable brothers. They were, like, 
pretty much glued to each other, is from what I understood and read. They were reportedly very, very good swimmers, which is important for later on. Um, when they started kind of getting their life of crime, it was when Clarence was actually caught breaking into a service station at 14. Then the two actually began robbing establishments in the 1950s. Uh, they claimed to have ever, like only used a weapon once for all of those robberies. And it was, funnily enough, a toy gun that was the weapon. So they never actually hurt anyone, even though they were robbers or deemed bad people, which I just think is super interesting. That is so weird. <laughs> Uh, they both received 35-year sentences, and after multiple tape, uh, uh, attempted escapes, the two were sent to Alcatraz. John arrived in uh, October 24th, 1960, and Clarence arrived January 10th, 1961. That's the Anglin brothers. They're pretty important for this story. And then we have the final escapee, Frank Morris, who is inmate AZ-1441. He was abandoned by his parents at 11. He spent pretty much his whole life in foster homes. He was actually convicted of his first offense at 13. And by his late teens, he had been arrested, arrested for crimes ranging from narcotic possessions to armed robbery. And he actually did escape uh, from Louisiana State Penitentiary and was captured and then put into Alcatraz on January 20th, 1960. So... They pretty much, uh -huh. all of the people kind of were, uh, got all put together within about three, four years of each other. That is interesting because it's like they all had like previous experience, like because these are like the escapees, obviously. So they had all experienced like somebody like Alan West, he was arrested like 20 times, which is so crazy to me. Mm -hmm. And then you also have two brothers who were like at the same in, um, so like prison. <laughs> So, yeah, like, they have experience that are going to stick together and find out a way to escape jail. Yeah, it was kind of stupidity, I feel like, on whoever decided to put the two brothers at the same prison. It was like they were like sitting in a cell together and they got their letter and was like, Oh, where are you going? I'm totally stealing this joke, by the way. Oh, where are you going? And it was like, I'm going to Alcatraz. And me too. And they like start jumping up and down and they're all excited. <laughs> So not one of the greatest moves, I feel like, that could have been made just because if they're inseparable brothers and they have histories of escaping together, why would you put them together? Anyways, um, so we're going to move on. This is, I, I think, unless there's anything else you want to say about the escapees, did you hear anything interesting about West Anglin brothers or even Morris? Well, all of them like came out of Statham, California as well. So that's also like mm -hmm. interesting because like I would say that would decrease their chances because they're just out of state and they don't have experience with like Alcatraz Island mm -hmm. because they just arrived like in the state of California. Like Frank Morris is from Louisiana. And then I don't know exactly where they're from, but he did escape from Louisiana. Let me look that up because he was from Louisiana State Penitentiary. Uh, Alan West has escaped Florida prisons. They were all like from different regions of the United States. And then they all moved mm -hmm. into this like a aban now abandoned federal prison, which I just find very interesting because it's like one of the main reasons like some of these breaks happen or like, or I would theorize they would happen is that like these people would like unite around a common cause to like, let's get out of this prison mm -hmm. and get, let's get out of Alcatraz Island, especially since it was deemed unescapable. So I just thought it was like interesting that like they all came from different states. So they must have like found out a way to like not only 
have the intelligence and have the skills to escape prison, but they also might have like found a social way to like maneuver. Maneuver through the prison almost. Yeah. yeah. No, so I just looked it up and it looks like you're totally right. Um, so Frank Morris was born in Washington, DC. The Anglin brothers were born in Georgia. And Alan West, I think he was also born in Georgia. So pretty much they were all from different places. So you're absolutely right that it's it's interesting that despite all odds, they were able to kind of figure out San Francisco a little bit, you know? So yeah, that's, it's intriguing. It's very intriguing. So yeah, that's pretty much our escapees. Mm -hmm. Those are the men that um, reportedly were a part of the plan to escape. So plans for the escape actually started uh, being made in December. It was actually very unclear who came up with the plan or who came to who with the plan. But they pretty much all just agreed to start escaping. They, um, I know that at one point they actually all requested to have cells next to each other and it was approved. So the four of them all got cells oh right next to each other. <laughs> Even the brothers. So, yeah, it, it was like, yeah, pl pretty much the plan started getting into motion. Like once one of them, I think, saw some old blades and they were like, "Ooh, we could escape. You know, I don't know exactly what I was writing there, but that's what I wrote. Don't <laughs> don't ask me what it actually means. But anyway, so they actually started using very, very um crude tools that they like that, that were used to pretty much help them escape. So they used uh, tools that would loosen air vents uh, at the back of the cell. And they pretty much drilled very closely uh, separated holes so that once they had done it all around the vent, they could just push the wall in. Um, and they pretty much made a homemade drill from crazily enough a broken vacuum cleaner, like the motor of a vacuum That's cleaner. That's so crazy. It's bizarre. And they would pretty much cover the holes with like suitcases, cardboards, and musical instruments. And this prison actually had a time, I think that was called like happy hour or something. I'm not 100% sure. Um, that would allow inmates to play instruments for like a whole hour. And under the cover of probably very horrible music, <laughs> they went ahead and drilled the holes in the wall. So, yeah, it's it's just super interesting just how much thought was put into this. Uh, the next thing that they did was they actually set up a secret workshop that was uh, on the roof of where their cell block was. Um, they all at one point had actually been given permission to work on like in that area by the prison at some point or another yeah <laughs> it's like prison what were you thinking so they'd all been approved to work there at one point i think i can't remember who but one of them decided uh, asked if they could actually cover their work with white sheets uh <laughs> in that area and it got approved by the prison so they pretty much covered their what would become their secret workspace to help them plan escapes so they were pretty much doing this all under the guards' noses. So they one would keep a uh, lookout while the others worked. They used stolen and donated materials to create tools. They stole about 50 raincoats to make a 6 by 14 rubber raft. And this is insane. It was stitched together, and the seams were actually placed on hot steam pipes and uh, volcanolized 
uh, vulcanized, which is an idea that they came that came from a magazine in one of the cells of the inmates. <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre, and it was pretty much kept afloat by playing an accordion. It's it's the biz- most bizarre. This is so thing. crazy. I'm surprised I've never even heard. Of it's bizarre. It's the craziest case I've. So they went out. So they got out of the cell by covering it with like all these like coat hangers or whatever with all these clothes covering it mm-hmm. right and then they stitched together raincoats to make form a boat and then they used an accordion to, to keep the boat, boat afloat. afloat while they were going across back to san francisco instead of the island yeah what? <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing of all time but yeah in the workshop they also kept like a pipe that uh it wasn't they didn't keep a pipe. There was a pipe there that was supposedly used to climb uh, up and escape through a vent at the top of the roof. Oh um, and yeah, they the one of the final things that they created that's like super iconic, they created mannequins that were made out of like it was like plaster or something decorated with real human hair (laughs) (laughs) and they pretty much placed it on their beds for the night of the escape it was just head mannequins so because they knew that they needed uh, a little bit of a head start so they decided to make these mannequins that were just totally real human (laughs) yeah i can't uh, once again i i should have done a little bit more research on it but i know one of the inmates were actually was actually a barber so they were able to get hair clippings and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's bizarre. Let's give hair clippings and all these things to help them escape. <laughs> it feels like the prison was just like, eh. This was an inside job. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it sometimes. It's it's so weird. But, okay, do we want to move on to the actual escape? Or do you have any other things about the preparation of the escape? I, or don't, just... I don't know. I'm just impressed about that. <laughs> hot steam pipes with like the floating rain jackets that was mm-hmm. used an accordion yeah an accordion it's it's so bizarre keep them keep it up it's bizarre it's so insane but yeah no that's pretty much what they all did to prepare for the escape it's crazy now the actual escape is i this is a pretty short little section on my document that i have here because it's a pretty straightforward, like, they escaped kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, it was June 11th was the day of the escape. Uh, West was at, Alan West was actually unable to remove his wall and was actually left behind. So huh. the only people that got out were Frank Morris and the England brothers. Uh-huh. Um, the Pretty much the three grabbed all the gear and they climbed up to the roof. And around about 10.30 p.m., was when people reportedly heard uh, something on the roof, which is what they assume the vent coming undone and then leaving. Um, They were literally never seen from again. And no one knows if they got off, like no one knows what happened once they got off the island. They know that they got off of the island in some way, but they don't know if they perished on the ride to... um, too. I think it was Easter Island was the place that they were planning on going. <laughs> I can't remember exactly. It was it was pretty much another island that they were planning on going to. And um, that was in San Francisco. They weren't planning on actually going to the mainland, the mainland, which is just super interesting. Like, would you find anything? <laughs> but 
yeah, so no one knows what happens to uh, happened to Frank Morris, Clarence England, or John England. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's that was the day of the escape. As I said, very very short, very straightforward. So kind of like a DB DB Cooper situation because it's like kind of they like both escaped from their situations, but they were never found again. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it is. It's obviously unlike DB Cooper, we know what the England brothers and Frank Morris look like. Um, uh, and unlike D.B. Cooper, it is like there's a lot of evidence to show that um, to show what kind of may have happened to them, mm-hmm. but it's not for sure. So they never no one will really ever know if that makes yeah. sense. Like with D.B. Cooper, the problem that everyone has with that is that like if he did die after jumping out of the plane, why was a body or a shoot never found? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, the deal with this. They have there's two different theories that they're pretty straightforward. Either they perished or they survived. So and if they survived, that is a world of possibilities. Oh man, it's well. What's interesting is if they did survive. Um, I'll get into this a little bit later, but there were no reported crimes after the escape so if they did survive that means that prison worked for them because they didn't do anything after that Uh like they escaped and then they were like i'm not gonna do any more crimes (laughs) so yeah it's super interesting do we do we want to move on to the theories yes okay the theory number one is obviously that the men perished The reasoning behind this is that there are very, very strong currents in the San Francisco Bay. So Uh that was a huge, like, uh, hey, that probably may not have worked. Like, how would they, like, fight back on those currents? Uh, Experts actually state that taking the raft to, it was Angel Island, not Easter Island. Um, Taking the raft to Angel Island, which was their plan, would have been extremely difficult, especially because... They had paddles, but no, um, it was no rudder. I don't know why that says rubber. They had no rudder, so they didn't have a motor and only had paddles. So it's it's just very interesting that, you know, that they may not have been able to. Anyways, continuing on. <laughs> sonic. I'm just distracted because that's a, Angel Highlands is a sonic region. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> they went to Sonic and Knuckles. They went to another universe, and it was actually Sonic's universe. Yeah, simulation. <laughs> yeah, so I, I sadly I don't believe that's one of the theories that Sonic mm-hmm. like. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, so <laughs> scientists actually uh, reenacted the escape uh, for a like a little piece on PBS, and they used a raft that was very similar to what the escapees used and they found that two men actually had to work to keep the raft afloat leaving only one person to paddle which they realized was kind of a problem like you know uh to uh, escape with those strong currents uh to continue water would have been about 40 54 degrees fahrenheit during the time of the escape so if the men went overboard they would only have been able to stay alive for about two hours before falling into unconsciousness. That's crazy. So, yeah, it's really bizarre. And I'm assuming it takes a little bit more than two hours to swim. (laughs) Swim to San Francisco and Alcatraz. So, 
But yeah, uh, what's interesting is on January 12th, bits of wood resembling the paddle were actually found near Angel Island. Uh, the pieces were identified to belong to the escapees. Oh, that's a twist. Yeah, so it's that's interesting. And then on June 14th, bags made of raincoats were actually found uh, between the halfway point of Alcatraz and Angel Island. And these bags like contain like irrefutable evidence that they were from the escapees. It had like photos of the Anglin brothers and their family, people to contact on the outside, like a little note cards of people to contact on the outside, um, a letter written to Clarence Anglin. It's pretty much just a bunch of stuff that would not have been items easily given up. Yeah. You know, like because mm-hmm. those are personal items. I couldn't find much about like anything that may have been Frank Morris's, but granted, he didn't have a home yeah he didn't have a home life while the england brothers did seem to have a fairly good family dynamic um on june 15th a homemade life vest was actually found near cronkite beach and then on june 22nd a second life vest was found not a hundred yards from the eastern coast of alcatraz island so but all this keeps adding up and it's like ooh, maybe they didn't escape because it's all that um, like, and also like uh, to add on to that, the men would have set out to have very little money mm-hmm. and police found it, as I said earlier, fa- the police found it very strange that there were no crimes reported after the Alcatraz prison break or like very soon after for like food, clothing, or even transportation. Mm-hmm. So police found that suspicious and were kind of like, uh, if they survive, then, then it'd be unlikely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, this, this next part pisses me off. So about six weeks after the escape, a Norwegian, uh, shipping, fi- uh, freighter called the SS, uh, Norfidge. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, pretty much they spotted a body about 20 miles away from the Golden Gate Bridge, but they didn't call it in. They, they just kept going. And when they finally did like report it, it was never found. Now this is involving murder, maybe. Because <laughs> they just, like, didn't notice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're just found there, and then the body just randomly disappears. No, absolutely. It's really weird. It's, like, obviously, like, I guess it does make sense that probably after a while, the body would just probably float to the bottom. But yeah, it's, like... Unlikely. It's, it's very unlikely. And it's, like, it's interesting. It's interesting that they didn't just report it. Like, even, like, if you can't stop, just be like, hey, I just found a body. I mean, if you see a body, <laughs> like, just report. Exactly. <laughs> Why? So, yeah, it's honestly, that part really pisses me off because we could have gotten some closure about what happened. But, of course, people not doing their jobs screwed us over. All right. So that's all the evidence that we have that they perished. Yeah. And that they did not escape. Um, but there is still plenty of evidence that could show why they may have survived. Um, personally, I want to think that they survived, but also I do realize that a lot of this evidence is kind of circumstantial. Yeah. Um, but I still think it's great to talk about, and I think it gives everyone like a little bit of hope. I think everyone kind of roots for the bad guys when it comes to prison escapes or like heists, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. The I'm gonna go into that now. So there the the theory that they survived, uh, they had to have a they had a raft to obviously navigate the waters, 
And people have actually been able to swim that before without a raft or even a life jacket. So uh -huh. um, a triathlon is actually held each year uh, in those waters where competitors participate in a mile and a half swim around the exact same time of year that the escape actually occurred. Um, participants say that the current choppy waters and the wind are major factors to, to contend with. But Jeff Harp, a security analyst for CBS, who also worked for the FBI for over 20 years, he says that he's done swims in those waters and he has never seen a contestant not be able to finish it. So people have always been able to finish that swim. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, people who usually drown in the bay, the bodies usually do float within a few days. But despite extensive searches, no bodies were ever found. Yeah. So that's interesting. And the same scientist that held that raft experiment, like the that found that you had two people had to keep it afloat, they also made a computer model that showed that there was actually a narrow window between 11.30 p.m. and midnight, which the trio could actually launch the raft to make it to the island. Uh, since a sound was heard uh, on the roof around 10.30, it's very, very possible that that they actually did make it during that window. It is an hour, but it does it does seem possible, you know. Uh -huh. um, even though the scientists' experiment actually failed, they were still able to get fairly close to the Golden Gate Bridge in little and over an hour. And people do believe that maybe the rush of adrenaline and the need to survive could let the escapees get to at least the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh -huh. um, uh, David Winder. He is a nephew of the Anglin brothers, said that his uncle, Robert Anglin, which would have been the Anglin's older brother, uh, confessed on his deathbed that, quote, they didn't have to worry about their brother, that he had been in touch with them and they were OK, end quote. Huh. So interesting that the brother is literally like, hey, they're OK. You they're don't okay. need to worry like, about yeah, it. No worries. <laughs> And then Winder actually added on that his grandmother, uh, which would have been the Anglin's brother's mother, uh, would sometimes receive roses with their son's signatures on the cards after their escape. Huh. So that's interesting. Uh, multiple family members have actually claimed that they noticed mysterious women during funerals that have like are wearing veils or heavy makeup. And it could actually be the undercover Anglin brothers. brothers. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty much just drag queens. <laughs> and it was just, it's them paying their respects. That's And that's like what the theory is. Um, and finally, there was actually a photo taken in Brazil about 13 years after the escape that showed the brothers alive. Uh, this came from Fred Breezy, who was a childhood friend of the Anglin brothers. But many experts do not believe the photo shows the duo, but it's not possible to completely uh, rule them out, rule uh -huh. that out, because they're, the photo is super uh, old. It had like a lot of wear and tear on the photo. And the two were actually wearing sunglasses. So uh -huh. you can't know. It's hard to know for sure if that was actually them. So, yeah. What what are you thinking after I hearing think, those two theories? I think they died. You think they died? I think um, most of the time, I think these cases that they've, like, 
anticlimactic, but I think they probably died just because like the scientists and the experts, like there's just a lot of difficulties, especially since it was like in a night mm-hmm. and like they don't have like the skills of like a triathlon, like sure, like the triathlon people. Well, like, granted, they are prisoners. Yeah, they, they're prisoners, but they're like just out of prison. Like they don't get like the That's true. Experience. They probably don't have as much like <laughs> exercise. I like part of me wants to really believe that they escaped, but I it's so hard because there is so much evidence that they perished, you know. I mean, the another main thing that I took away was that the police like didn't notice that there was any additional crimes, especially since some of these escapees. Um, mm-hmm. like they had fences at 13, mm-hmm. 14. Like those are offenses that like when people commit crimes at such a young age. And they like were emboldened enough to leave pri- escape prison at such a like quick time. I don't know much about like the like environment in Alcatraz. It's probably, but I think they would like be emboldened to like com- still do like a life in crime because they did it at such a young age. That is very true. Like part of me wants to think that, like as I said earlier, that they escaped and they um they just they realized that prison worked for them and they realized that if they didn't want to get caught again, they needed to not commit any more crimes. But it is it's it is very unlikely that they there wouldn't be anything. What what makes me really do think that they survive is the weird women at the funerals for the angels. You know, like that's interesting. Or their mother constantly getting flowers after their escape. Like I think it was on her birthday. Like every year she would get flowers with her son's initials. Um, so it's just, it, it makes me want to believe that they would actually have survived. I don't know about Frank Morris, um, but uh, I, there is quite a bit of evidence, I feel, that it says that the at least the Anglin brothers survived. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I just, who knows? Maybe yeah. that one body that was found was Frank Morris, and then the other two did actually survive. Yeah, so for my final conclusion, I just think they probably died just based on, like, the authorities. Um, mm-hmm. But there's still a possibility. And that's, yeah. And the, the, that's, like, the interesting thing about this case. Like, it opens, like, possibilities <laughs> like that. Absolutely, yeah. So to kind of talk about, like, what happened to Alan West after the escape and kind of what happened with the FBI and all that. Um, Alan West, actually, um, the inmate that was left behind, he cooperated with officials in the search. He finished his sentence across three different prisons following the event, and he actually finished his sentence in 1967 and remained free for only one year after getting concurrent sentences of five years, one to three years, and life for grand larceny and robbery. (laughs) Oh, God. So he pretty much... on the street. (laughs) So, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was... He almost did good, and then he didn't. Um, He passed away in 1978. Uh, He So, yeah, that's pretty much the end of the Alan West story. Uh, Alcatraz actually shut down in March 1963, which was less than a year after the escape happened. The FBI officially closed the case on December 31st, 1979, over 15 years after the investigation first opened. Mm -hmm. Um, The case actually will remain open with federal marshals until either fugitives are arrested, the evidence of death has been found, or the fugitives turn 99 uh, years old. 
Uh, in the end, it is really unknown what happened to the escapees after they left Alcatraz Island. That is such a crazy it's so, 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 so bizarre. <laughs> it's so much. It's so interesting, though. It's so much fun to like learn about. And I do recommend you do more research on like for those who are listening, you do more research on it because there's so much I didn't say. There's so much. I'm actually going to research this immediately after. Do it. It's yeah, such a good to, case. I need to watch YouTube videos. <laughs> like, yeah, BuzzFeed Unsolved has a great uh, thing about this case. It's awesome. Yes. So, yeah, I think that's that's all I have for you, Nick. All right. Thank you, Devin, for joining the Over Horizon podcast. We hope to do another true crime segment because these are actually a lot of fun instead of, like, the monthly politics thing that we, I previously <laughs> did. But um, I hope you enjoy this podcast and see you next time.